Well, if you have a cop copy of God's Word, uh, and I pray if you do, you bring it on a regular basis, go ahead and grab that and turn to Ephesians. That's where we'll be today. Ephesians chapter 4. And um, as you're turning there, I want you to sneak a peek up at the, uh, the slide, and you'll see there the doorpost or the door jam. Um, and you see all the markings. That is actually not our house, although I have used um, a picture of our house before. Uh, but the doorpost is where perhaps um, many families um, have this tradition of tracking the growth and the physical maturity of each family member. Um, perhaps you have this in your house. I don't know. Maybe it's forbidden. Maybe you have plastic on your couches also. I don't know. No. Sorry, that was a bad shot. Um, but perhaps many of you have this in your house. Um, we had this in my house growing up. In fact, it wasn't just our family. Anybody who came to our house, they got measured on the wall. Like you can't read. There's so many names on it. And then we have, um, actually, we sort of have a little section of a wall. It's not really a door jam, but uh, we have it in our current uh, house and up on an upstairs wall. And um, it's where I am now seeing that I am steadily being passed by our sons. Uh, they also contend very falsely that I'm no longer six feet, that maybe I'm 5'11 or 5'10. I am six feet flat. I'm just telling you that. Um, so, <laughs> but they are convinced that I am not six feet, and uh, many of them are ascending, and probably by the end of it, they will all surpass me, which is great, right? It's a, it's a vital uh, part of maturing. My boys are growing up. They're supposed to, right? We, it's not a surprise. It's a vital part of maturing, it's expected, and it would be alarming to some degree if they didn't, if they never scaled up the door jam. It's that would be alarming. Growing up and maturing is also what Jesus expects of us as his followers, and particularly today, we're going to see that's not just individually what he expects, and purposes for you individually, but also for us as a church. And Jesus knows, hear this, Jesus knows of no believer who's a follower of his who is not part of a church. And so he also calls you to grow, not just individually, but for us to grow as a body. He calls us his body and he is the head. And so Jesus is uh, expecting of that. He designed us and purposed us and has provided for our growth and maturity. It's what the Apostle Paul, we've seen also in this disciple-making series, that the Apostle Paul arranged his life and gave his oomph in the Lord's strength to be about others maturing in Christ. He said, I do all the things I do, admonishing uh, everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Why? So that I may present every person complete in Christ, so that they may see growth in their lives individually, so that someday they can be presented before the Lord and what he was looking for, for them to mature in him. And today we turn to Paul again 
to conclude uh, our disciple-making series to look at that he's also provided for us, purposed for us as a church body to grow. Yes, that means the individuals in it growing, but part of your growth and mine will be in how he will use you in vital ways to grow this body and to be part of helping others grow in Christ. And so, you know, what essentials are vital? If this is what he's looking for and expects, what essentials are vital for us to grow into the disciple-making church that Jesus calls us to be? And how has God designed you and me to fit within his body And why does he say that you are so vital to causing others to grow? Well, we're going to conclude our series today. If you're not there yet, Ephesians 4, join me there. Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16. Um, We could have done verses 1 to 16. I'm just going to try to give us some context as we get to it, because I want us to focus on 11 through 16. And if you are there, I will begin reading in verse 11. You can follow along silently as I read aloud. And he, speaking of Jesus, the ascended Jesus, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets, some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Lord, as Eric prayed, I pray that you would grant us eyes to see, illumine our hearts and minds to give attention to your truth and then be receptive in this moment and then be responsive to live it out as we leave this place so that you'd be glorified and this body would be built up in Christ would be displayed as the center centerpiece and head of our lives and head of this church. We pray all this in his name. Amen. So how has Christ purposed and gifted his church for vital growth? Well, in this passage, Paul is telling the Ephesian church and us through his letter to them that Jesus has purposed and gifted us as his church for vital growth by gifting each and every believer to employ his or her gifts in diverse, that means different, diverse yet interconnected bodybuilding ministries. He's given you and me gifts, and he's given you and me vital connections so that we might grow up to maturity, not just individually, but as a body. Uh, The next slide, I believe I have a chart of Ephesians. This is just to give you a a big swath of context. Paul's letter to the Ephesians is uh, one of those that 
is good to study if you're learning how to study the Bible for yourself because it breaks down very evenly and nicely. Uh, it's not like reading Ezekiel if you're doing our church reading plan right now. I'm just letting you know I'm having trouble, but I'm hanging in there. Um, but Ephesians 1 to 3 is about who we are in Christ, that he's blessed us with uh, all every spiritual blessing in the heaven, heavenly places, that we were dead in our trespasses and sin, but God in his mercy has made us alive in Christ and seated us in the heavenlies with him. It's for by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. We did nothing. And everything he's done for us is to the praise of his glory uh, so that he would fill up everything with all the fullness of himself. That really Jesus is the centerpiece of the Father's purposes. And that our purpose as his church the big C church, is to display the centerpiece. Not put it away, you know, hide it, but to put him out. Display the centerpiece by the next um, three chapters, verses 4 through 6. How we live. This is who we are in Christ. And, and by the way, um, even in our past, especially in our passage today, when he mentions things about our, our identity, when he says the mature man, he's not speaking individually. That your identity and mine is actually a we-dinity. So we read everything as Westerners, as Americans, as, well, these are the things that are true about me. And they are. But what's true about you is also that you are never just you. He has placed you in his body. And then for your growth and mine, he says, I want you to recognize the connections that I'm trying to provide you through connections relationally with one another. And so we need to read Ephesians more, how we live, who we are. Absolutely who I am, but who we are as those he's put in his body. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, it's there at the bottom. He actually gives five walks uh, in Ephesians Walk in light, walk in love. But particularly, I want you to see this one. This is the hinge from going who we are to how we live. He says, that gospel I've told you, I'm calling you, I'm imploring you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. What he means is, I called you out of darkness into light. I have transferred you, he says in Colossians, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. That's who you are, and you're part of a body. And so now, walk in a manner worthy. That word worthy has to do with weight. In fact, not weight like I'm nervous some mornings to get on the scale to see, am I going up? That's something I do go up in. Not the doorpost, but in the way, right? But to, the word worthy uh, means uh, see more like the scales, old-timey, when you wanted to see. You put some on this side and some, and when they balance. Now you are getting, and he says, walk in a manner of equal weightedness with the calling with which you've been called. In other words, live out who you are in Christ. And we as a church are to live out who he designed us, purposed us, and we'll see today, gifted and interconnected us so that our lives are not mismatched. They're not misaligned, but they're walking, we are walking corporately together and individually with the faithfulness to who he has made us to be so that there's an equal weightedness about our lives, that there's not a Sunday me and the rest of me over here, 
But you see those scales, there's an equal weightedness, okay? Um, and so we are to walk in a manner worthy. That's where this is. And then in verses 1 to 6, he talks about the attitudes and atmosphere of what it looks like to walk worthy, to where we walk in humility. Um, we're, we're to preserve, diligently preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. I'm just giving you that really quick because what he's really after in 1 through 16 is unity. In fact, he's given us gifts for unity. He's put us in relationship and saying, it's going to be tough sometimes. You're going to get on somebody's last nerve, and they're going to get on your last nerve sometimes. But be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We don't manufacture the unity. We've already been given it. It's our job to maintain it, preserve it, tend to it. And a big part of that tending to unity, which helps display beautifully who Jesus is. If you have love for one another, they'll know you're my disciples. That unity is how he intends to display it. It, get, it gets worked out in us serving with the gifts he's given us and supplying every place he's interconnecting us or is wanting us to lean into our interconnectedness where you have something to bring to the table. You may not realize that, you may doubt that. You may say, but you don't know me in my bag. I don't have much in it. You don't know my skeletons in my closet. No, he intends for every joint, every connection in the body, here, here, to supply something so that the body grows in health and maturity, which will be evidenced then in a unity, in a stability, in a vitality and a maturity. So that's where we are. And so Jesus has given us, because he intends and expects vital growth individually and as a body, he's provided all that we need for that. So first, the first slide is he gave, verse 11. That Jesus gave, it says, and I want you to, I really want you to grow comfortable to write in your Bibles. Verse 11 Simply underline, he gave, or box it is what I would do. And I want you to underline some. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. And he connects those last two because it's kind of, if you're a pastor, you're a teacher, and if you're a teacher, you're going to have some pastoring. Okay, but these are gifted people that he has placed that he has given to his church. He's, he's given, Jesus has given certain gifted leaders to establish and equip all believers in a local church body for the work of the ministry that produces the unity of the faith and healthy corporate maturing or growth. It's building up of the body. He gave certain people and these certain gifted leaders, uh, particularly Back then, he gave gifted leaders to his body to found and establish his church. Uh, and then particularly within, like the evangelists and the pastors and teachers, to an ongoing fashion to uh, equip and encourage the church, encourage and equip the saints, every saint. Um, don't think Mother Teresa, think you. Saint means holy or set apart one that he has a set-apart purpose for you, and he's also gifted you 
And so the leaders that he's given to any local body aren't supposed to do everything. They're supposed to concentrate on, well, how is our language? How has God wired you? What has he put in you that we can help you discover, help you develop, so that you can be about the work of the ministry that he has for you so that we might grow vitally as a body. I kind of already spilled into my next question was, what's the purpose for which Christ gave certain leaders within a local church? Verse 12, and it's the next slide. For the equipping of the saints. For the equipping of the saints in a local body for the work of the ministry to build up that body. Now, sneak a peek back at verses 7 to 10, right above. We're not going through it, but we see there that Jesus has gifted his church and each person in his church for vital growth. It says, to each one of us, meaning believers, we are each given at least one spiritual gift from our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. You are gifted. And you are gifted for a purpose that he intends. Each of, us, each of us, when we come to faith in Jesus, is given a spiritual gift, and that gift is to be discovered, it's to be developed, it's to be employed in active service in the body of Christ. I want you to hear this. Each one of you is gifted. Each one of us is not necessarily gifted equally, but each one of us is necessary. I want you to see that in this passage. It is not um, in bold print, but it is all throughout. It is woven, just like he talks about connections and interconnectedness. and all. He is trying to get every one of us to see that he has intentions and purposes and has given gifts for every one of us to serve, to serve him, to serve one another, and to build up. His body. So each one of us, we may not be gifted equally, but each one of us is necessary. In the employment of your gift to its fullest capacity, no matter the amount, it's vital and it's expected by our Lord. Paul says, according to the measure of Christ's gift. In other words, Jesus has not only had the right to do this because he, he mentions his victory, and now in victory he's giving spoils and gifts to those who are his. But now he also says, I'm going to give you a gift and you a gift. Sorry, I'm, that's my Oprah voice. I don't mean that. Sorry. Get Oprah out of your head, out of my head. Let's do that. He gives gifts, but he also gives the capacity of your gift. He gives the, the, the measurement. Some of us may, you know, have a one liter gift. I don't know. And some of us may have a barrel. Some of us may have a boatload. I don't know. So, you know, and you see this in, in the Gospels when he gave different talent. He gave differing talents, but he expected the same faithfulness. He expects the same contribution. He expects, he expects the same exercising of your gifts, no matter what your gift or gifts are and what your capacity is. He's the one who decides the gifts, the amount, and it's the, the folks that he puts in leadership— are not to do it all, but to have the joy and give the oomph for the equipping of the saints. Again, we've already established that you and I each are saints or believers. We're 
we're each gifted. Some of you may have come from a church where you even had it on a wall somewhere. Every member a minister. You could translate for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, which is what mine says, but it's uh, the word there can be ministry. And so we are to be about equipping one another for whatever that is, because everyone is a minister. There's not a varsity. I'm not a varsity because I have a master's uh, in theology. I mean, that is just the weirdest thing. Um, I don't even like when y'all call me pastor. Um, some of my friends will call me reverend to mock me. Like, what, what, I, I, what I want um, every one of us to know, there's not a JV and a varsity in, in the church, in the body of Christ. They're just simply, here's, here are your gifts and here are your responsibilities. But all of us, each of us has a responsibility to use the gifts he's given us as part of being a disciple-making church, because that, again, is the big picture of what our mandate is from our commander. We're to be about that. And so um, this, we're, we're to be, leaders are to be equipping. The word equipping um, comes from just a couple of different ways it's used um, back in that time. It was, it, sometimes it was used for the setting of a bone. It had gotten out of place, so to put it back in its appropriate place. It's also used in the New Testament of mending fishing nets, so they're restored to their usefulness. But it also can additionally mean, uh, additionally mean fully furnished. Um, we found out uh, that our, our son Nathan, oh, that's awesome. You guys are moving into a house. Oh, it's not fully furnished. <laughs> and so, right, he, uh, he, they had some things, but you kind of got to scrounge. And we're like, well, here, we'll, we'll get you a bed and that kind of thing, right? Well, well he leaders are to be equipping the saints or to help fully furnish. That just simply means, what is it he's given you? Let us help you discover that. Let us help you develop in that. And what's he stirring in you? Where do you see things that could be attended to? And believe me, we know there are lots of things that we need to grow in or mature in, or like we've said with our welcome. We need to step up our welcome. Some of you God has given you that kind of heartbeat and those kind of eyes, and we need you. And so we may simply say, well, all right, but we kind of need to be ordered about this. Or, But the equipping would say, how can we fully furnish, and how is God going to use your gifts to help us be more fully furnished or, you know, working better together in that ministry era, area? Excuse me. And so... The, the long-range purpose of each person being equipped and serving, the long-range purpose then in the last part of that verse is to the building up of the body of Christ. Again, think a child growing into adulthood. We are a body. That body grows and matures physically. You know, limbs get longer. That's especially true in my family. Limbs get longer, and you begin to fill out. And so... Our diverse ministries in our church will help cultivate spiritual health in our body. Three implications really quick. Uh, this is why we expect every member here to serve the Lord in some capacity within Allen Bible as part of it. 
But I would say in some capacity, meaning in some way, find a way to serve. We would say if you're not sure, step into something that would be strategic, an area where we need help. Um, but I want you to hear this. In some capacity serving, but to the fullest capacity, moving toward the fullest capacity of you using your gifts. Because that's really what we are after. We're, we're after you thriving and being fully who God made you to be, and the spillover around you with others in the body will be that they'll feel supported or served or taught or encouraged or listened to, whatever it is that God's put in you and wired you with, it is absolutely necessary for the health and growth of others, which is why we call one another. Every one of us is to be in the expected part of growth is that we are serving in some way. Secondly, our staffing. Um, this is why ministry staff for us that we would hire, we want them to grow. We want to grow as equippers and not just ministry specialists. We want to be about helping you grow and develop. And so for a Jacob, um, he is, you know, hey, we're trying, to, we're trying to lead this student ministry. We're trying to see it grow and mature, and we're trying to see those students grow and mature. One of the great things that, that he's done is part of the equipping is to, they talk regularly as leaders, but then, hey, you are a leader of the middle school boys. You're the leader of the high school girls. And what we want is for you to begin to build relationships with them. Here's some tips on how to do that. Here's some tips on how to not be weird or, what, you know, whatever. Because Jacob can't do it all, isn't supposed to do it all. And yet we are called... And it's, you know, we say we want to be ambassadors among the next generation. We also want to equip the students in that ministry. But that's also small group leaders come alongside Jacob. And really, they come alongside parents who are the primary responsibility of that. And then it works together. Again, knitted together, connected together. Uh, and then lastly, um, another implication for us is every member has a significant contribution to make, not just the staff. That's why we put also a lot of, we're, we're, re, we're, we're re-putting weight on life groups. We, um, we, we, you know, we had a series on cultivating community. And I think the life groups we have are, man, I think you guys have risen to this. It, it's been awesome to see uh, the liveliness and the vitality. People sharing life, rejoicing with each other who are rejoicing, weeping with those who weep. Um, but I want you to hear this. When I say that the, the leaders are to equip the members and the members are to, to, to serve and to carry that out, the ministry. So therefore, with a life group, our vision, our goal would be if you are in the hospital, you're having a baby, you're having a tooth extraction. I don't know if that's hospital worthy. You're having, you know, your, your ACL worked on. You got to stay an extra day or something. Our vision would be, an ideal world would be, one of us who are on staff might make it to the hospital. We may or may not. But if we do, we walk in and there's a party in your room that's going on because your life group was there before we were. It doesn't make it, I want, some of you need to hear this. It doesn't make it official that you're being ministered to if one of us who are the staff show up. My dream is for if, if, if that's some, some of you have grown up in that, okay? my dream is that what, what, 
what happens is your life group knows you so well and is like, man, we got a meal train going and we, we knew that this was going on and, and they just let us know as well as they can. They turn, you know, now we're having a prayer, uh, a prayer, uh, prayers at allenbible.org. You can submit prayer. Like we'd love to have that as a support overall. But, but the, the big part of that is life group members are serving one another. Life group members are loving one another. A fun example um, happened on Friday night. There's a few of them sitting in front of me right here. I won't make eye contact. Our young adults are sort of a hybrid. We're a, we're a life group, but we're also sort of a larger ministry um, trying to do you know, uh, additional things. But um, this is a good example of this passage. Uh, they had a Bob Ross painting party. So Bob Ross, if you don't know, he's kind of got the Philip Yancey bird nest hair, I think. Uh, and he's, I think, soft-spoken, and he's like on PBS or something. He does these paintings, and I think most people watch it because he just calms you. It's like going to counseling, but you didn't have to pay anything. And so what's great is uh, Stone and Aaron Ricks, who are newer to our church, they're part of uh, young adults, they said, hey, we think it'd be cool to have a Bob Ross painting party. We'll have some canvases. We'll order some pizza. You know, anybody want to come? And they, several of them came. I'm telling you all this to say I had nothing to do with I, they and I and the Kaufmans lead that ministry. Um, we're the old people they allow hang to hang around who wish we were cool like them. Um, we had nothing to do with organizing it. None of us could go to it, right? Did you go to it? Okay. We couldn't go to it, um, and they did it. There was somebody going, hey, I'd love, this would be fun. You can say, oh, that's superficial. But no, it's, exa- it's like we're getting together, and we're enjoying life together. And the reason why I'm sharing it is it's within the body interconnected. Guess what it did? It bonded them. They bonded over some of their paintings were great, and some of them were not as great. And then Stone, who invited them, had a blank canvas. I don't understand that. But that's a picture of what I'm, what I'm trying to say. We don't, we don't need everything to have to be an official, like, from the, the, you know, platform. Hey, like the picnic, we need everybody to know that, right? But those kind of things, we want to see those popping up all the time. And that takes simply somebody who might be hospitable or just going, hey, this would be a great, great idea to do. Or, hey, this is an area where we could, we could reach out to our neighbors. Um, I, I know I'm not going to say names. But I know as we're seeking to try to uh, build relationships with our neighbors at 301, I know there's some of you who've even gotten together and said, hey, we love that. We want to pray about that, see what God would do. Uh, we are trying to have a trunk or treat there. We're waiting, I think, on permission. But again, that is from within the body saying, I know we want to be good neighbors. I know they're our most direct north neighbors. What a great opportunity to, to serve some, some you know, folks who live next door to us. All right. So how will we know if, if Jesus expects and he's provided and he's gifted us and he's connected us for growth? How will we know when we are built up enough, when we are grown up enough? Well, look at verse 13. He says, until we're to be a, equipping and encouraging and serving one another for the building up of the body until, verse 13. He says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Again, I want you to understand 
He's really talking, when he says a mature man, we read that as individual. Paul is actually saying, I'm using body and I'm using a mature adult as a picture of the church. And so the church, as it's interconnected and as we grow up, and we're growing to become more and more like Christ, which he'll say a couple different times, in love, in love, John 13, when you have love for one another, they'll know you're my disciples. It will set us apart. It will fill wherever we are, this area. It will fill your, your, your family, your neighborhood. It will fill things with the likeness and love of Christ. He says, until we get to that point, and we really won't get there, get there, right? Until Jesus comes back and makes all everything new. But he tells us this construction project slash growing up project is not complete until our interdependent ministries, so you exercising the gifts you have in ministry within the body, our interdependent ministries begin to develop a strengthening unity within the body of Christ based on a mature relationship with Christ. I'll give you a couple things here. He's given us some growth goals where these, the outcomes would be gifted believers each knowing and embodying Christ and interdependently serving with their gifts. The immediate goal, he says, is unity of the faith and intimately knowing of Christ. That is where we begin to be corporately maturing. He says, until we attain to the unity of faith. If you look at verses 4 through 6 in chapter 4, one faith, one Lord, one baptism. He's saying those things... Um, you may have come to faith in Jesus Christ, but you may not really understand much beyond that. He's saying, we want to equip one another to grow in that, that knowledge of what is true. And there's so much out there, we'll talk about in just a second, that can knock us off kilter or that we just don't know. If you're a newer believer or you became a believer long ago, but you kind of walked away from the church and now you're back, this is not about you feeling bad about your stunted growth. It's wherever you are, start there and seek out those who would help you grow in this faith of who Jesus is and what his purposes are and who you are in Christ. But then also he's saying um, until we attain this unity and this knowledge of the Son of God, and the word knowledge there. Uh, is not the normal word for knowing or knowledge, um, like to take in knowledge, to recognize something in an abstract way, like Avogadro's number, 6.02 times 10 to the 23rd. I just want to throw that out there. Um, that's knowledge. What he's using here is experiential knowledge, or if, as I like to use the word visceral. It has gotten into you. And it is relationally knowing him. So you've come to faith in him, but now it's growing in that relationship with him. This is not gnosko, which is knowledge, but it's epigenosko. It is like epic, but it's expanded and spilling over. It's to know with special appreciation or to notice attentively. It's I've lived it. And it's, you know, it's one thing for me to know about hurricanes as I watch them on Weather Channel. It's another thing for Mike Holmes, who was in Baton, Baton Rouge, where people were um, coming to you know, evacuating New Orleans and having to help them find a, 
shelter and find a place to live. And my home is, that's knowing it. And that's the difference. He says, when we are helping one another grow in that kind of relationship, vibrant, visceral relationship with your Lord Jesus, now we're getting somewhere in terms of our growth because that's what we are after. And then what's the ultimate outcome God purposes, verses 14 to 16? He says, here's the product or here's the result. As a result, verse 14, if we are serving interdependently, as a result, we are no longer to be children. The word literally could be infants, or it could be one who could be adult in age, but childish in their perception. They're, they're gullible. He says, as a result, when we are living that way with one another, when you're serving with your gifts, then there will, it will provide a, a stability where we will no longer be um, gullible. We will no longer be tossed here and there. Um, he says, no longer children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. He's saying there's a lot out there that can throw us off. And he says a child um, is not necessarily going to be perceptive in every situation if you're childish. Now, Jesus, yes, says, hey, be, like a, be childlike, but not be childish. And he's saying where we want to get is that we're no longer gullible. We're no longer, um, and there's a slide here with no longer children. Children are underdeveloped in their understanding. They're unstable. They're tossed here and there. And they're easily swayed and deceived by others. Now, this isn't just, yeah, that's right. That's why I got my kid in church, so they won't be. No, this is for every one of us. Because uh, our children are awash in confusion. In fact, a uh, couple of these words, tossed to and fro, um, uh, you know, and carried along, is actually a picture of, if you've ever been around me long enough, at some point there'll be a picnic or somewhere where we do the bat race. And the bat race is where we love to take adults when they're full of chili and hot dogs, like in a few, month, a few weeks, and they got to run down, which is already funny, and then get down here and get around the bat, and you hold the bat to your head, and you spin around 10 times, and then you come up. What are you? You're dizzy, and you're falling. That's exactly the, the actual word picture there is of someone causing you to be dizzied. And he's saying, we don't want to be those who are so unstable and unable to perceive that when things are thrown at us that um, sound like the truth, and I would say they're truthy, which means... They got a little verse in there. It sounds good. And especially if we're like, well, I'm just kind of, I need something just to feel a little bit better. So I'm going to bite that. He says, we want to be in such a way where we're teaching one another, we're equipping one another, we're encouraging and directing, and we're discipling one another, where we are growing in stability and in maturity so that we're not dizzied. Um, uh, you know, a while back, we did a three-part series all across the church on God's better story of sex. Why? Because it's being thrown at us in our face as, you know, well, pick whichever gender you want, do whatever you want sexually, none of it matters, right? That's the kind of, some of us in here, we hear this, we're like, yes, that's right. We need our children to be 
bubble wrap so they won't ever be affected or they won't embarrass me or whatever. Yes, we want them to have that, but this is for all of us. We did that to help equip you as parents to have conversations. Um, we, we talked with the youth, but it was also, hey, parents, here's what your youth are getting talked to about to equip you because you're the primary one to have those conversations. And I tell my boys all the time, I'm so glad I'm not growing up in your day. That being said, I'm as responsible as I'll get out as a shepherd of you in these days. So yes, we need to be equipped about that stuff, but it's also when you're scrolling on Instagram for two to three hours a day, which I know several of us are, and it's like, follow your heart, follow your heart. You just do you. That's a bunch of, I can't say it. Um, what that is, though, is it sounds right. It's tasty. It's, it's high carb, high sugar, sounds good. He's saying, no, if you're maturing, then you're able to see through that. You're able to perceive it so that you're not tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine. He's, by that, he means the winds are unpredictable and they're tossing you every which way. But we are to grow up. The next slide. You can keep going. We looked at that last week. Hebrews, he says, you ought to be grown up by now in teaching others. But we're grown up, verse 15, when we are truthing in love. He says, don't be like infants who are gullible, can easily dizzied and confused, but speaking the truth in love, and literally it's truthing in love. The word speaking isn't really there. It's truthing in love. It's trafficking in truth, but truth in love. It's hard to hear truth if I'm not very loving or kind. And it's not loving if I don't give truth. I would also say this interconnectedness deal is very important. Gordon McDaniel, he used to be on staff here. He had something in his office that said, relationship determines response. Some of us need to do this a little bit more with truth because we don't have the relationship to where it would be communicated in love. And so, man, to be part of a body, to be part of a family and to grow up, guess what it takes? Work, patience, diligently preserving the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace so that we might truth and love because we can't grow without truth and we can't grow without love. And Jesus embodied both. And really, that's what we're to do. We're to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which we've been called, which means we're to follow him because we become like the one we follow, which is what we've said throughout this entire series. And he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So as we kind of are wrapping up, we look at some worthy walkaways. We become like the one we follow. Or who have we been becoming that will let us know who have I been following or what have I been following? And who is in my life right now? This is kind of an easy thing we've all heard. If you just look at the handful of people that you're closest to, in five years you'll become like them. So if they're, um, if they're immature, for some of you students, if you've got some folks and all they're about is themselves, and you know that they're really not that great of a friend because every friend they've had, now they trash them to you, guess what's going to happen with you in that relationship? And guess how you're going to learn to talk and think of others? Or if, if you're older 
and everybody you're around is a get off my lawn person and everything is a complaint, you're growing up in a, with, with a, a community of complaint. And we're to do everything without grumbling or complaining. And so we will become like those we follow. So seek out folks who would sharpen you, who would help you become more stable, but also your relationship become more vital and vivacious with the Lord because they're, they're embodying it with you. Um, just in terms of, of next steps here, this worthy walkaways, I would say this. You know, we started with the doorpost. We're like, hey, are you growing up? It's time to grow up. What I want to encourage you with is if you're like, man, I really don't know my Bible. I don't know much about this. I think I, think I came to Christ at this age, but I haven't really. Don't camp in that, okay? Your next step may be to go, Lord, I need to grow. I need to develop. Would you give me somebody who's older or maybe they're just farther along in their walk? That, that you might provide where I can go and just grow under them. For me personally, when I moved to Dallas, I was going to go to seminary, but I knew that knowledge by itself is not really the deal. That's me, seminary. Some of us also are in 16 Bible studies. Nothing wrong with that, but those should be supplemental to the relational connectivity and truth and love that you cultivate here with those that you're in a church family with. But so I knew that, so I sought out, I knew that I needed to grow and develop in a lot of ways. So I sought out a man. I, I prayed about six months just looking around. I met several men in our church. And there was one guy who was exact opposite of me. He starched his jeans, okay? He was a Harold's model. Remember Harold's clothing store? This guy was well put together. He'd do four pages of to-do things, uh, four pages of a legal pad of to-do things and be done by 2.30 and then his kid's football practice in the afternoon. So I just approached him. His name's Ron. I said, hey, Ron, I wondered if you might, uh, I've been praying about, you know, would God provide an older man? Like, would you consider mentoring me or discipling me? And he's like, yeah. I was like, okay, so you'll pray about it? And he goes, I don't need to pray about it. I'm like, you, you don't, it sounded very unspiritual to me for a second. And I'm like, you don't need to pray about it. He's like, why should I need to pray about something that God's already told me to do? And now you're here poised for me to just mess you up? Of course, he didn't say exactly like that. If that's where you are, your next step is to pray and to ask God, would you provide somebody within this body? If you're a young woman, an older woman. If you're a young man, an older man. If you're a student, go deeper with your, your small group leader. That's your step. For many of us, we may be kind of in that, you know, we've, we've been growing a little bit, but yeah, I could, I could use a little more stability or whatever. Really, if you think about it, you're not grown up as a human being physically or any other species until you are, you're able to reproduce. What does Christ expect of us as his disciples? Follow me, and I will make you. All we got to do is follow him, and I will make you. I will transform you to be fishers of men, which is his mission. The invitation is the definition of a disciple. If I'm not actively seeking out and seeking to be part of helping others in their growth, I'm not maturing yet. And my encouragement to you, especially if, if you've um, been around the block for a while, you may think, ah, I'm kind of old news or whatever. No, we need everyone in this body doing everything to be a part of what God would supply in every joint 
and there are things that you have to pass on you don't even realize are so vital. Um, uh, Cheryl texted me yesterday uh, and just was as encouraged as the women are preparing for the one-day retreat and just talking about some of the women are part of that. Just, you know, kind of God stirring in them, like, yeah, let's, for this retreat, I mean, it'd be so awesome to see us continue to move in these directions, to, to take steps to help welcome in somebody who's newer to the church or to help somebody who's newer in the faith to walk. Excel still more if that's what God's putting in you and pursue what he's putting on your heart. Not follow your heart, but pursue what he's putting on your heart in that regard because he says, I'm with you always if that's what you and I want to be about. I'm gonna invite the worship team up. We're gonna sing. Um, this is part of that, that one faith that we might be um, growing in unity of the faith and then the knowing of him. It's doxology. Uh, I think it's maybe familiar to many of us. And it's a way for us to affirm together who our God is and who we are. But I want you to hear the message. Yes, I've put you in this body. I've made you part of my church. I've gifted you and you are necessary. There is no appendix in the body. We don't know what the appendix is for, but you're not an appendix because there's no appendix in his body. He says, every one of us, when we are working according to the capacity and measurement and the proper working of each part, this body will grow. He's not talking numerically. It probably will, but he means qualitatively. And what a place to be. What a place for you to be when you're not just sort of connected, but you're connected and making a difference. That's exactly what he intends not just for your growth, but for our growth. Your progress is ours. Would you stand? Eric's going to lead us, and, um, and he'll just dismiss us when the song's over. Lord, thank you for today. May we grow in our desire. May we grow in the direction you want us to. May we grow up as a church body because we simply are hearing you call us to that today. May you be glorified, and may we be built up. I pray this in Jesus' name.